0: Welcome to Food Freedom Radio, where we plant and nourish the seeds of change. I'm Laura Hedlund, a gardener, a person who knows soil health is connected to my health, my health is connected to soil health, and someone looking forward to a quiet, no-travel Christmas holiday, um, this cold... Time and I, we're, I'm taping the show on on on, on Wednesday, um, but it's going to air December 24th and 25th. So, merry merry Christmas, merry Christmas, and stay safe and and warm. I have this wonderful fire by woodland stoves that now, the house, so I'm going to just hang out by my fireplace with my. Um, small family, um, and have a nice quiet Christmas this year. Just go with the wet weather. But I'm very pleased to have joined with me right now Kathy Zeman. She's the executive director of Minnesota Farmers Market Association. Welcome to Food Freedom Radio, Kathy.
1: Well, Laura, thank you very much for having me. This is uh, quite a quite a privilege to be able to
0: chat with you today. Yeah, and I mean, uh, starting about the weather, I mean, I, I know it's just, we're actually taping this on, on Wednesday, and it's just starting to snow down, but it's like cold out, <laughs> and it's going to be really cold. So, I mean, and tell me about where you're calling from right now.
1: So, I'm sitting, I'm jealous of you, by the way. Do you know that um, in all the decades I've been on this planet, the only house that I ever had that had a fireplace was when I worked on the big um, dairy out in California. <laughs> that place, had a fireplace. I would love to have a fireplace in my little 1895 uh, farmhouse here. I'm calling you from Wheeling Township in Rice County. So an hour south of the Twin Cities and an hour to the west of Rochester. Um, Simple Harvest Farm Organics, my little farm here i um, talking to you from my farmhouse.
0: Well, and actually, this cold weather can be pretty tough on farmers when it's this cold.
1: Yes, yeah. yeah. I mean, our livestock are in pretty good shape. Everybody's got shelter and everybody's in deep bedding. Um, and all the waters are electric heated here. So that part's okay. But, um, you know, yeah, it's cold. Although... <clears throat> It's been a very weird weather year, correct? Correct. Um, this yeah. has been an incredibly warm December right up until this week. Um, when I'm, we just, you know, we got our big first movable snow this last week, and as I'm pushing snow, because um, I do it with a skid loader bucket, every place that I had still had a lot of leaves from the trees. That's still soft ground underneath there. So, you know, this we should have had a cold snap before now. This is a little bit abnormal cold for December, but this is a very uh, less, we've been saying it forever, but climate chaos is real, and, um, you know, we're going to deal with it, you know, forever and ever now.
0: uh, Yeah, I mean, it's hard to deal with it, climate chaos, and I kind of, I, I want to back up a little bit, so just tell us a little bit more about yourself. You're a farmer. Tell us about uh, your farming and how you got into that and...
1: Yeah. Well, I, you know, I grew up in a big, big old uh, family farm down by, in Steele County. Uh, and then, you know, mom and dad had 12 kids and over half of us have our own farm or hobby farm. Um, and I, you know, this farm that I bought here, I've had it for 16 years. It's all highly erodible land. So it's all in grass forages. And I graze. So we, you know, it's completely fenced in. The only the only place that it's open is across the driveway, and I can throw a cattle panel up and then graze sheep on the front lawns when I need to. Which we've been in a severe drought the last two summers, and so we've let the sheep come up on the on the lawn sometimes to graze. Interestingly, they don't touch the gardens, but they do you know kind of mow down the, the lawn for us. So that helps. Um, I've got you know we're, we're all organic here. There's no in I bring in all certified organic inputs, whether it's um, you know, apple cider vinegar or grain or any kind of uh, seeds or soil amendments. Um, Because I, you know, farmed this land the way it needs to be farmed, I automatically qualified for the Minnesota Department of Agriculture's Ag Water Quality Certification Program. Just – I, I wanted to see what that program was about, so I applied and I just I just got the certification because I've already had this farm in those practices like there's no soil erosion on this farm, no soil move more than a few feet like right outside the door of the porta huts or the hen house where there's plenty of foot traffic I would get a little bit but otherwise we hang on to all of our dirt we have no we, we hang on to all the water we can <clears throat> we were just ten days ago we were in the culvert at the end of our driveway to um, cut down some bushes and i realized as i was standing in that culvert laura that there was no running water i have a tile line that dumps right there at the end of the culvert and that tile line usually runs you around even during the winter because it's deep enough and um, it never freezes but we're dry I mean, we're so we'll, we'll be entering our third year of drought season here So we'll have to manage our our livestock a little bit differently so that. Uh, We always maintain grass cover. I'm part of the, because of the way that I, you know, figured out how to manage this land the last uh, 16 years, you know, I'm part of the Minnesota Soil Health Tour. Um, I was one of the fewer, I'm the only organic one on that tour, uh, but just the way that you, if you really look at your land, our elders always said, ask your land what it wants to grow. And I remember, Vanderpool from Southwest Minnesota. He always said that his land wanted to grow alfalfa and cows and gophers. <laughs> <laughs> and that sometimes is what I think here too. But um I don't know we you know, I look at the land, we've got I've got really slopy land. My land is anywhere from six to twenty four percent slope and so row crop does not fit well here. When I bought it, we had severe soil erosion, so we just threw it in grass and we grazed livestock and it's all organic.
0: Okay, and you're the executive director of the Minnesota Farmers Market Association. So what is the Minnesota Farmers Market Association?
1: It is the umbrella organization that l- gives support and leadership to all the farmers markets in the state of Minnesota. And I ended up with, I, I'm uh, entering my 11th year of working with MFMA, and I ended up with MFMA only because when I started farming, I knew that I did not want to um into the commodity world because that's a price taker right and so it's really hard to take a price when it's not based on your costs so I wanted to always direct market and when I got into direct marketing that's when I ran into some really inconsistently interpreted and inconsistently um, put into practice some laws and regulations that did not make any sense to me at the time and at the same time, MSMA, that board of directors had put out a call that they wanted somebody to be their their office manager, work remotely from, you know, their home office, and I said, well, pick me if you're okay if we all, you know, look at some laws and maybe do some public policy work and change some, because a lot of our food laws, Laura, are, you know, 1906, 1908, they no longer fit today's food world, so um, so they said, we all said yes to each other and um, so I'm I'm the executive director. I work with a good, uh, we are a very tiny but mighty team of folks that um, work with the Minnesota Farmers Market Association, a super board of directors. We, we now have directors in all uh, nine regions of the state, so every corner of the state has um, a voice, and we rely on those directors' eyes and ears to let us know what's going on in their part of the state. Um, and we're you know we're here to we're here to build out a resilient uh, local food shed so
0: we can continue to uh, grow good food and feed our communities so um why are farmers markets important farmers markets are there are, farmers markets
1: are a super business incubator if in the state of Minnesota, if, if what you're selling is 100 percent product of your farmer garden, you you do not need a license to sell that. So um, truly, food freedom, right? Right. So if we've got if we've got 352, and that's written into our constitution, so if it's 100 uh, percent product of my farm or my garden, which could be my honey from my beehives that are located on other people's land, but the hive is considered the farm, you'd need no license selling that honey. And you can sell that anywhere. You can sell that to grocery stores or restaurants or hospitals or schools or directly to your neighbor or at your farmer's market. So what I love about farmer's markets, if we have a lot of farmer's markets in the state, it means that we are doing a good job of working with our people, growing their food, selling their food to their neighbors, feeding their communities. And making those raw ingredients available to their wonderful creative food makers that we have in this state. Regardless of which culture you are, regardless of where you came from, they can take those, those eggs and all the veggies and fruits and um, nuts and grains and make them into wonderful food, many times from your home, from your home kitchen, other times different foods from a commercial kitchen with a license, and then sell them to your community. So farmers markets really Build community and build a resilient community because you're growing and feeding your community at a very local level. During COVID, certainly we proved that. Right, Everybody knew it before COVID, but during COVID, that's when the value of having robust uh, farmers markets really came into play.
0: And uh, and so I'm following some links from your site. They had these things. Uh, one of the key things, of course, is to preserve America's rural livelihoods. And in the 1980s, Butts under Reagan said, told farmers, get big or get out. And that really hurt rural communities. That whole idea that, you know, this market idea about, you know, getting big instead of um, more of a – I don't know how to – I don't have a quick phrase for it right now, but more of a living system. I do.
1: Wait. <laughs> we do. We, we try to say, don't, take, don't chase production, chase profit. You know. Ah. So every, if, you, if you think about all the surveys that farmers take, the, the first thing they say is, will you expand in the coming year? Which is a really bad question in my opinion. We shouldn't be asking that question. We should be saying, will your business plan follow your values or your principles in the coming year? Continuing to expand doesn't necessarily help you do anything, right? It just means you're going to have growth. You you might be abusing the land on which you live. Cancers um, grow.
0: Cancers grow. But is that the expansion we want? (laughs) You're listening to Food Freedom Radio, and we're talking with Kathy Zeman, the Executive Director of Minnesota Farmers Market Association. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Food Freedom Radio. I'm Laura Hedlund, and uh, we're talking with the executive director of the Minnesota Farmers Market Association, Kathy Zeman. And before we went on a break, we talked about um, this idea in American agriculture around the 1980s that farmers were told to get big or get out. And I think – what did you think of that? Is, Is that true? Was that the dominant paradigm of the time, and did it cause consequences?
1: Right. And they also said at the time you should be farming, you know, uh, ditch bank to ditch bank. And so, you know, natural covers were taken out and tree breaks were taken out. And that's led to, I mean, in many, you know, for the last 18 months I served as, um, I was appointed to serve on the Rice County Soil and Water Conservation District Board as a supervisor to fill in a position. And so, and I, I did that. I asked to, to fill that up appointment because I kind of wanted to look at those programs because in the year 20, I think I was on in 2021 through 2022, and as I, I look at my neighbors, we you know, I'm in a the part of my county that's fairly slopy, and in the winter, our ditch banks are full of dirt. You know, you've got that dirt, that dirt on the snow, which means that it's still, we've Yet, in 2021 and going into 20, you know, 2023 now, we still have farmers that are not leaving cover on their soil. So our topsoil is all blowing off and um, truly, you know, doing some damage. We've got programs in place to help those farmers who need financial assistance. We've got technical assistance to help them figure that out. But we are still so slow to pick up on those good practices of keeping this land under cover. And, and and there's so much there's so much science and so many studies that show that we should be doing that. So that phrase of get bigger, get out and you know, farm road to road, just incredibly bad advice for the land. I don't think they were ever considering the planet. I think they were just considering their bank account. And so, poor advice, and we're still today paying a price for that, right? When I bought the this farm, super soil erosion. There was a as it slopes down into the my creek, which is a tributary to Prairie Creek. There was a a gully cut into that soil about four feet deep because the water came down that so fast, right? Just cut a deep trench into the the soil bank there into the creek. I, you know, I then took over the stewardship for this land and that, that, that um, gully no longer exists because we put this land back into grass. So it's, we know how to fix our problems. We know. And this farm is a profitable farm. It's a profitable farm that doesn't rely on any of the ag programs. There's no ag, because I'm in the direct marketing world, there are no um, public investments that are even available to this farm not that i want them i don't i would like to i would like to be able to make uh, you know a profitable sustainable organic farm um, to see if we can do it in you know in the real world which i think we've been able to prove that um, and we just need to help more and more farmers think about stewarding their land instead of using their land
0: yeah, and how we do that as a whole, and like you're talking about cover crops, the evidence is overwhelming, and it, and it did go from like one percent to seven percent, but it's still so low. Um, and so, how do we how do we ramp that up? And that's part of what the work of the Minnesota Farmers Market Association is to enable and empower this um, food security and food freedom, honoring level, honoring land ethos of. Uh, feeding ourselves
1: absolutely so at the farmer's market world you know that we don't there's no commodities being sold at a farmer's market it's, we sell food right we grow food and we sell food and we are we are sort of like under the radar with this wonderful world um that can really when you when you work with the soil every day right with your hands, in many cases, uh, there, that's a different way than if you are, than if you are in um, big vehicles, big, big combines, big tractors uh, running it uh, and never really getting a, a good feel for that soil and what you're doing to the soil. So you can see it. You know, you can see the changes in it. So at the farmer's market world, you know, we, we grow and sell food. That's what we do. We, we're, the, we're the food farmers and the food makers. And so we keep an eye on that, right? And so we incentivize, <clears throat> like we have many farmers markets and more and more now going to a policy that says if you're going to sell prepared food here, if you're going to sell your scones and your uh, cupcakes and your cookies, you have to buy at least one ingredient from a local farmer so that we are all together supporting each other and supporting our local food ship. Um, and we have more and more. I mean, We've got this metrics program at the University of Minnesota Applied Economics Department. um, Dr. Hikaru-Peterson and Joe Nowak are in charge of, and they run for us FM360. It is a statewide metrics collection for all farmers markets, and I'm hoping, you know, if we can find enough funding for them, that they can expand that to pick up on all direct marketing farmers and anything in this local food shed. But as we begin to collect this data, it started – Trickling in in 2016, 2017, of course, COVID kind of threw things, uh, uh, you know, for a tizzy for a wee bit. Uh, but the data is beginning to show that the, the, the vendors of farmers, the food makers in this direct marketing world of which the sales channel is their farmers market, uh, are very much, uh, sustainable minded. Most of them, uh, are running, are doing sustainable practices with their land. Uh, many of them are organic. Uh, so it's, um, yeah farmers market world and the the food makers and food farmers uh, are doing a you know they're doing a good job but that does rely on our shoppers our consumers to understand that uh, the value of buying direct of buying from the people that are really uh, growing that food and are trying to um, manage, uh, steward the soil and the land in the manner that can produce healthy food.
0: Now, I learned a new word, prosumers. Um, So instead of consumers, prosumers, and I checked the Wikipedia on it, like, well, I guess it has, you know, technical meetings and all sorts of different areas. But when I'm saying pro-consumer, I'm actually talking about, you know, our freedom and my agency to choose Products that match my values, and so that I create yeah. the world I want for my children and their children, and so that's my prosumer type of um, activity, and also seeing that it's not all reduced, right? I mean, it's 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 so complex and beautifully complex, awfully complex, you know, or awes- uh, awesomely complex. Um, um, but but there is that that um, interaction between people and soil and eating. That is, um, I don't want to use the word magical, but um, wondrous or awe-inspiring. It is. I, I, I like that term pro consumer. Um, correct.
1: When we pay attention uh, and and we and we truly invest our de- our dollars and where our values lead us, and um, I know that people right now are uh, struggling with the high cost of food in the U.S. It's just that. In the U.S., we've underwritten the true cost of food with so many subsidies and so um, much, you know, uh, support to, to part of the economy, the ag economy, that, you know, you could argue that the cost of food right now is the true cost of food, that finally we're paying our farm workers money that they need to survive and be healthy, right?
0: Right. And that
1: finally... Food is really costing what it might really fit
0: for. We're going to take a break and we'll be right back. We're talking with Kathy Zeman. She's the executive director of the Minnesota Farmers Association, Minnesota Farmers Market Association. Welcome back to uh, Food Freedom Radio and uh, Merry Christmas, if you're listening to this on Christmas Day or Christmas Eve. Um, With us right now is Kathy Zeman, um, Executive Director of the Minnesota Farmers uh, Market Association, Minnesota Farmers Market Association. And I'm just curious, there's so many wonderful things on your website. So one of the things on your website is people can go on there and see a map of all the farmers markets in the Twin Cities. So tell people how they access that map.
1: Well, it's all the markets in the entire state of Minnesota. Um, so there's, if you go to mfma.org, on our homepage is the map. And, and really that's all due to, I give uh, full credit to Maeve Malozi Kelly. Maeve, um, so the Southern Minnesota Initiative Foundation, Pam Bishop, uh, she's one of our a good supporters. Uh, that whole foundation is with Tim Penny down there. And yeah. Pam's the one that took a look at a bunch of us and said, you know, you only need to do some capacity building. You're a tiny organization that are doing good work. So she encouraged us to apply for AmeriCorps VISTA. We were mm-hmm. smart enough to take her advice, and we ended up with Maeve Malosi Kelly, a superstar. So her job is to build out our local food shed one of the first things we need to do is find out where are all of the farmer's markets. So she did. She made thousands of phone calls. To, well, first of all, we had about 10, you know, disconnected databases that had some of them listed. Um, and she did that, called all the chambers of commerce in this entire state. And we end up with this interactive map on our website now of 352 farmer's markets divided into, if you're a, if you're a summer only market, You can search on summer only if you're a year-round market. We have more and more markets now going year-round. Weekly during the growing months and then monthly during the winter months. Because remember, Minnesota can still grow a lot of roots, right? All the root crops that are then wonderful during the winter are winter storage crops. We've got more deep winter greenhouses going, so we've got micro I mean, Minnesota is no longer just growing during, you know, the two-and-a-half months of the summer. (laughs) We can grow year-round. And so we have more and more that are that. And then we have other ones that are just winter markets. So I think in Minnesota, I think May's got about 56 markets on our, our map now that are winter markets. So, you know, there's 80. And a lot of them are kind of clustered around the metro area. But now we've got a bunch of them in northern Minnesota and southwest corner. So, no. Um, anyway, so you can go on and you can find out which markets are, are accepting market bucks. Uh, Snap, so... We've got 105 farmers markets. So a little bit less than a third of our farmers markets have found enough sponsorship dollars in their communities in order to um, offer SNAP. So SNAP is Sustainable uh, Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program. It would be the old we used to call them food stamps, but now a SNAP our SNAP participants, people that are in need of local food and, and nutritious food can uh come to the market and then um we have market bucks that commented if they swipe their card for ten dollars they get an additional ten dollars so that now they can buy twenty dollars worth of local food uh from there and then we've got and then across the state so many other organizations are donating money so we've got power of produce for kids power of produce for teens power of produce for our seniors we've got to- tomato tokens we've got um, and a lot of that some a lot of that money is coming in from our medical associate uh, medical institutions because um, they understand like veggie Rx we literally have uh, pharmacies and uh, medical institutions um, donating money so that people that need fresh produce and fresh food can get take some coupons and then go buy that at their local farmers market
0: that is so awesome we had a, a guest so on last week too at this fresh rx and it's just <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, you just have to go yeah. side out. But I mean, human health, we have in this country, we've become less healthy over the last couple of decades. And a lot of it is connected to soil health and how we've been eating. And right. so having um, fruits and vegetables and the most of us are not getting enough fruits and vegetables. And also you talked earlier about the cost of food. And, you know, I know a parent who kids loves grapes, but I can't afford them. You know, so I mean, it's it's just it's how do we rebalance the system to be kinder and saner? And that's why I love the work and I love the story you told about the Corps uh, volunteer that said, "Well, I know a sane thing to do. Let's make sure we can find our farmers' markets and support that economic system." So let's talk a little bit more about the medical and the health benefits of thriving farms with healthy soils owned by the person that's making money and enjoying their livelihood.
1: Well, you know, you you said something interesting there about the farmers who owns that. You know, we have a lot of of our farmers, and I I like to say it's a pharmacy, like F-A-R-M-A-C-Y. So if we're really taking care of this planet, then the soil itself becomes the pharmacy, right? But it's F-A-R-M-A-C-Y because then it's really nutrient-dense, healthy food. Uh, It doesn't travel very far, so you're not having all of the nutrients expire um, during transportation and, and all the challenges of transportation. I mean, granted, I still want to get my olive oil, and we can't grow that here in Minnesota. But we can grow a lot of foods here in Minnesota, and so we, you know, we're trying to to buy locally and in season really helps. Um. So I forgot, Laura, even you know what well, you, that original question. was. I know was. the one thing that? is
0: I threw out the phrase "owning," but I also know there's a lot of innovation because uh, owning the land land is such a big topic. So let's just. Share whatever insights okay, you have that, about yeah. land.
1: So in the Constitution, if, our Minnesota Constitution, it says if it's a if it's 100% product of the farm or garden that you own, that you operate or cultivate. And those are critical words in our Minnesota Constitution because um, it kind of speaks to the fact that we don't really own the land, right? I mean, we have ownership and they're on that legal side, but we're really operating and cultivating it as long as we are here on this planet. None of us live forever. So it, it, it really reads into that, that we're passing this land on then to the next generation, that we need to uh, cultivate it honestly and healthy and uh, correctly as we do that. So, And that's the food then that we are all doing. We have got a tremendous amount of food farmers in the state that need access to land, that are renting, but because they're renting, they have their, their short-term goals. And there's, they, so there's not, if you think about if you're renting land, we, it's hard then to put in infrastructure to irrigate, correct? To, like, get the wells in the right spot because you're renting, you don't own that. We've got the, there's a, there's a new startup in the Rochester area called the Village Agricultural Co-op. And they've Mm -hmm. got, I forgot how much land, Amanda, uh, she's the executive director down there, it's kind of cobbled together. But 120 farm families, 120 families are growing food down there um, that they want to grow, that they that they like the kind of food that they like. It is an amazing, it is an amazing operation. You've got the Hoffa farm, you've got other mm-hmm. groups of farmers, you've got the, the the New Roots Incubator Farm in northern Minnesota by Moorhead and Fargo. So these are farmers that have uh, don't they? You know they. They are, they would be, you would consider them probably our new Americans. They did not come from the generations and generations and generations of farmers, you know, who, who took that first land from our, our Native Americans. They, they didn't do that. So these are new farmers that need access to land. They are all growing cooperatively. They're farming cooperatively. So they're owning, they're kind of going back to the old days where they would all kind of cobble together. Not everybody owns the tractor. Nobody, Not everybody needs to own their own tractor if you are farming cooperatively. Um, so that is one of the big challenges going forward. We'll, we have some Minnesota and across the U.S. We have some zoning, old zoning ordinances, just like the old food laws that no longer pertain. We've got some old zoning laws that we should look at, and I know that will be scary to some people. Um, but I still think that we should take a look at it and have a discussion about it because um, I I think when you play out the alternatives to having just a handful of people, when I left Extension back in the 80s, at that time there were 17 people that owned all of the ag land in Travers County. (laughs) It does not leave a lot of people living in that county. So how do you keep roads going and how do the people living there have a school system, have a hospital system. So I, if, if you look at Minnesota, uh, if you look at the U.S., we're going to want to have people, right? We, I don't think it will serve anybody any good to have everybody living with inside, you know, 10 towns in the state. We do want to hold people. Um, we want people to, be able to live across the entire state, and that will mean looking at a different system of land ownership and a different system of getting infrastructure there, whether it's water, um, land, um, roads, school systems. I mean, I think that's our, that's where yeah, the next step so, And, I, think, is. and yeah, I love the- yeah, so you love what? What do you love? <laughs> well, I love the fact that, and I love the fact that we've got 352, far, if you've got 87 counties, and I'm not counting, there's probably 30 or 40 more farmer's markets located on the, the 11 tribal nations in Minnesota uh, that I know of, there's probably more, I just know about that. that but I love the fact that in 87 counties, you know, we've got a fair amount of farmer's markets, which means we've got a lot of vendors out there growing And producing and making their own
0: food. Um, It's a pretty big industry. And if we scale this up, imagine the world that we'll leave. I mean, it, this is the way to have healthier soil and healthier people and create a whole culture of well-being. And, and you're right. The word owning is, uh, I mean, I don't want to just use that word owning, but coming into the agency of um, of uh, our aspirations for healthy soil or a relational agency, maybe that might be one way of saying yeah. it. But um, so uh, farmers markets preserve uh, rural livelihoods and stimulate local economies, increase access to fresh nutritious food support healthy communities promote sustainability yay but also one of the big things i found on your website is to make you 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 make it you you you, you, you want to make it easy for people to be a vendor at a, at a farmer's market and, and increase that whole ecosystem of how people be a vendor. So share some of the resources that you have, um, on your website and how people can get information from insurance to licensing. I mean, there's, there's a lot of details there, but just if someone thinks, eh, maybe I could do something like that. Oh, shoot. If, you know, if anybody has a food that they love, that they love and they
1: would like to, uh, sell that, as a, that's how we find a lot of our vendors. Like somebody was a good cook, and some people keep saying, "Oh, you should make that and sell that." And then they go down that path of, "Well, could I really do that?" So in Minnesota, you know, you should assume that if you sell food, you need a license, unless you qualify for like thirty or forty exclusions or exemption from licensing. And so, product of the farm is one exclusion. If you are, if it's 100% product of your farm or garden that you operate and cultivate, no license needed, you can sell it anywhere. There's another, and so we do this training. So Jane Jewett from, she Jane Jewett is the Associate Director of the Minnesota Institute for Sustainable Agriculture. Brett Olson is the Creative Director for Renewing the Countryside. The three of us train this fascinating four-hour training on Food laws and licensing in Minnesota, we call it blazing the trail through the jungle of food regulation. Mm. And we have, we were offering, <laughs> it's four hours, Laura, it's brutal. But it's really critical that our food farmers and our food makers know the laws better than anybody. Know the laws, know the
0: food, know the farmer, and then uh, (laughs) know life, right? (laughs) Anyway, you're listening to Food Freedom Radio, and I'm talking with Kathy Zeman. She's the executive director of the Minnesota Farmers Market Association. We'll be right back. Out like endless rain into a paper cup. They slither wildly as they slip away across the universe. Welcome back to Food Freedom Radio. I'm Laura Hedlund, and you're listening to Food Freedom Radio, where we plant and nourish the seeds of change. Um, And joining us now is Kathy Zeman, the Executive Director of the Minnesota Farmers Market Association. And Kathy, the legislative session is going to be starting. Um, Are there specific issues that um, you think is important that we're informed about and move forward?
1: Yes, there is. Uh, um, there's a couple of laws that MFMA will work with uh, Minnesota Cottage Food Producers Association and other allies out there. We'd like to. We need to. We need to, re, we need to um, amend our food sampling law. We uh, prior to 2014, if you wanted to sample food at a farmers' market or a community event, you had to have a license because that was all that was available, and that license was good for like 11 days or 21 days didn't make any sense and so uh, fortunately we had good people at both the Minnesota Department of Agriculture and the Minnesota Department of Health and we first we had to learn a lot because certainly we didn't know a lot um, and then so we, we created the, the safe food sampling law at farmers markets in 2014. We've lived with that law now for eight years and we've you know it even though it was I thought it was scathingly brilliant because I helped write it of course we saw some things that we should probably change so we're going to go in and try to touch that. It, um, it because of the way we wrote it at the time. It references an old part of the food code that actually no longer needs to exist because we modified the food code coming forward. And we know now that if um, hand wash- washing your hands is really important, right, when you're handling food, especially when you're giving it to someone else. So, uh, it, but we know that if those food samples can be prepared in the home. Before you go to your farmer's market and they're covered, then you don't need to bring along a hand washing station. But the law right now requires that. So we're going to try to tweak those two pieces. We love our food samples. Easier.
0: I love our food samples. <laughs> so, yeah, so yeah, I can right. see that, right. you know. That sounds and good. so, if,
1: yeah. So if you if you have to prepare the samples on site, yes, you should have. You need to wash your hands before doing so. But if they're prepared ahead of time, then you shouldn't need to bring that hand washing station. And We got pretty good agreement on that, so we'll try to tweak that. The, uh, on the cottage food side, the the um, improvements we made to that law in 2021 that went into effect this past year were super. So you can now, from your home kitchen, you can make um, any kind of non-potentially hazardous food. You can sell up to $78,000 in gross sales mm-hmm. annually uh, from your home kitchen, as long as there are these non-potentially hazardous foods, of which there are thousands, right? Um, but uh, a couple of things in that law that we'd like to take a look at. In that law, because we were referencing an old federal law, we state that you can't shift any cottage food. Well, 35 other states have figured out that it is legal to ship. So you could send, you could put in the mail, um, cookies if you wanted to. 35 other states have figured out that it was legal. Here in Minnesota, our law says it isn't. So we want to research that and say, well, if it really is legal and there's no food safety issue, which there shouldn't be because they are already non-potentially hazardous foods, then it would seem that we should be able to do some shipping on that. We'd like to look at that um, on the cottage food side. Um, I'm assuming with, with the change in the law last year that declared um, THC edibles to be legal to sell, even though in the law we said edibles aren't food. They're, but, I mean, that was an interesting law, the way it was written. I'm sure that will get looked at again this year, but it, it has come up at a number of farmers' markets. Could we be accepting Um, uh, THC edible food vendors Uh, we we can't actually find uh, anybody who wants to insure those right now so we'll put that on the back burner but that's an issue coming forward on farmers markets and then in the state of Minnesota we've got 10 functioning I lied to you, 7 functioning 3 years trying to get going 7 licensed farmers market food hubs Mm. that have an online sales platform Laura and so what they do is they say, "Okay, farmers, put your products online. We we'll, we will be your we're your store now. We'll be your sales people, and we're going to go find buyers for that. And because they're licensed, they either have a retail license or a wholesale license. Both of those are really relatively cheap. Um, then they go get the buyers. And so you've got schools now being able to go online, make one order, probably are ordering from ten different farmers." making one order and then bringing all of that local food into schools or into uh, grocery stores or restaurants. So that's kind of the new and exciting part coming in, uh, and especially now with all this federal dollars coming into the local, you know, to local food to help out purchases of local food. It's kind of an exciting world to be in. Yeah, it seems, and there's so much,
0: Kathy, and we're down to our last three minutes already, and I'm like, <laughs> oh, i got to have you back on another time. But um, you just had okay. um, the Farmers Market com- Conference, and one thing that came up there is reassessing your market through an anti-racist lens. So talk about that inclusion work.
1: Pretty important. During COVID, uh, we had a number of... Uh, farmers, market managers, and vendors, uh, reach out because they had, um, there were some racist situations or events that happened at their market. And that was unfortunate, right? I mean, that's just not acceptable in our world. We are, we are all welcoming. As long as you produce good food, you're good to go, right? So that um, and but that you're, a you're occasionally
0: where you occasionally can burn the cookies. I'm just saying you don't always have to <laughs> <laughs> You can, exactly. Well, tell, yeah.
1: So, and that was a concern. It was concerning enough, and it didn't matter where you were. You could have it, this. These concerns were coming in from the metro area, but they were coming in from every corner of the state. Um, how do you handle that? Also, d- during that time when money is tight there were more um, just security issues at farmer's markets. And so it was a time for us. Uh, that There's a national farmer's market coalition, which is the national umbrella organization for all farmer's markets in the U.S. Uh, and, and so they, they are the ones that worked with this group, and they put together the anti-racist farmer's market toolkit. So it's a national movement, and we had uh, two folks from that group come in and do a talk with us, and it was kind of fun. We'll probably try to help a five or six farmers markets who want to do a cohort during this uh, community of practice in the next couple of years to really look at how welcoming are they? How, so your policy, so it stems from not only is, it, is, your, is your farmers market welcoming to everyone in your community and how do you assess that? How do you know whether it is or not? And are, are your policies welcoming to everyone? So I, I had to look in the mirror. We help host this thing called the, the – for the, for the cottage food law, Laura, we, we host this called the Non-Potentially Hazardous Food List because people need to know what those words mean, right? But all of the words in there are pretty Minnesotans, And so there are a lot of different ways to dis- from different cultures that have fruit-filled biscuits,
0: Right. We, I yeah, but we were saying the word biscuits <laughs> when there's all sorts of them. And unfortunately, we are out of time. Right. I'm going to have to have you back, and ah. we're going to have to talk some more, because uh, um, the hour went fast. Um, Kathy Zeman, uh, Minnesota Farmers Market Association. Um, the website is mfma.org. Um, so thank you so much, Kathy, and thank you for listening. Uh, stay warm and stay safe. Oh, yeah, up